Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Friday to you, and welcome inside the Property Squad Studios, the WKVL and Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Friday edition of The Grind. A a good Friday as it's snowing outside. I swear, I don't know uh, who stepped on or or kicked off or or whatever they did, but uh, let's just say Mother Nature's giving us the full gamut right now. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of – I don't know. It's it's February, so I mean, I guess I you need it to be colder now. I think my grass is going to benefit from it getting colder. But uh, you know, a little weird, little weird on a on a Friday to to have some snow after it's rained for you know three days and schools are closed today based around that. And uh, again, anybody inf- affected uh, by the rain and and being able to get in and out or or to work or from. You know, kind of thoughts are with you, and then of course that the uh, the family in Sevierville that actually uh, a lady was was killed yesterday uh, by a tree falling uh, because of the weather. Hearts and you know our prayers are out with them. So uh, just a tough time because I mean this is it's another one of those East Tennessee we don't deal well situations. We don't get this a lot. You know, this isn't Seattle. You know, we don't get rain like this. So I, I, you know, it's just one of those deals. You know how how to respond, how to react. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, you know, maybe removed uh, in this area. But kind of to jump back into it, big day to talk today as we we review what happened last night. Tennessee, Mississippi State, uh, not the greatest of outings for them. They had a great first quarter, uh, especially in response to Renai Davis not being able to go because she's had the flu all week. But uh, Lady Vols fall to Mississippi State last night, 72-55. to But also, we've got some other comments. Coach Fulmer uh, was out on the recruiting, uh, I guess, recruiting success tour, if you will, like how they go over the state and they'll, they'll have several meetings and they'll, they'll talk it up about what, you know, what was the, what was the deal, you know, who we recruited, how, the, how we felt about the class, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And uh, and he dropped a pretty nice little dime uh, there to to really uh, fire up Vol Nation. And and, and I kind of want to talk about what he said, how he said it, and hopefully what that means. Because I think you know, seeing what is good, uh, Coach Fulmer has a little bit of experience in that. But uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about it here in just a minute. Uh, but start with the Lady Vols. Rough week for the Lady Vols as, as they started Sunday with South Carolina, number one team in the country. And then Thursday night saw number eight in the country, Mississippi State. I, I'll be honest with you, if you look at the box score or if you look at the recap, probably not as good of an output as you, you would want. But if you look at it quarter by quarter, uh, Tennessee did some good work, was leading at the end of one, 21 to 19. And honestly, just had a flat second quarter that pretty much gaffed this thing to a, to a point that we couldn't recover. Uh, second and third quarter was all Mississippi State, and then the fourth was very close within one point. 
But number 23 can't overcome number eight, Mississippi State, as the number 23 Lady Vols took the lead into the second quarter but couldn't hang on. Uh, Sophomore Ray Burrell led Tennessee in scoring, uh, scoring 20 points and 10 rebounds to record a double-double in her first career start and third overall, uh, and third game overall. Freshman Jordan Horston and sophomore Jasmine Massingale were also in double digits with 12 and 11, respectively, as the Lady Vols played without Renia Davis. We talked about that. She was averaging 18.1 points a game, who's recovering uh, from the flu. Rakia Jackson was Mississippi State's leading scorer. She took 14 points and nine rebounds, and Chloe Bibby was close behind her with 13. UT out-rebounded Mississippi State 40-39 to as both teams recorded 16 offensive boards. Tennessee shot at 36%, uh, a pretty pretty low clip, but as the Bulldogs took a 40% performance uh, that, that gave uh, – you know, their season average was – it was lower than their season average of 47. The Big Orange also held Mississippi State to 9.5 points below their typical uh, averaging of 81.5, uh, so held them under their season average. And then Tennessee jumped out to a 3-0 lead early in the game after they were scored on a jumper and Horston made a free throw. Uh, the Bulldogs then responded with a 4-0 run, and it was really kind of a dogfight – there in the first quarter, but Tennessee was holding serve. I thought Kush Kittawa was getting in there and scoring really well, and then Burrell, I didn't think they could stop her. I thought she got in there and was doing a lot of really nice things inside, but as they go to the first quarter break, uh, Mr. Schaefer and, and, and Mississippi State really make some adjustments, really get this thing tuned up, and here come the Lady Bulldogs. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, Tamari Key and, and Ray Burrell continue to try to play this thing, but really the Bulldogs went on an 8-0 run and held Tennessee to just one one bucket in the final uh, six minutes of the second quarter and really took a uh, took a big commanding lead uh, into the into the half. As they come out, they they still kind of stifle Tennessee offensively, and at the end of three, Mississippi State has a 56 to 40 lead. Uh, UT opened up the fourth quarter with a lay-in uh, from Key and a three-pointer from Massengale and cutting Mississippi State's lead to 11. Burrell continued the, the nice night she had by scoring the Big Orange's next seven points, and Horston closed out the game by hitting a three with just 29 seconds to go. But but really, it was the tale of what Mississippi State was able to do, not necessarily what uh, what they were able to stop. I felt like offensively we had a decent night. I know only 55 points, but I felt like we were taking good shots. We were doing things. But the the age-old thing was Mississippi State put the pressure on, and we folded. Uh, It's not a good look. It's something that that continues to have to be uh, a focus point of this this team. Literally just good passing would have been good last night. Uh, There were times, and I'll kind of coin coin my father-in-law because I was watching it with him, as uh, he said, you know, when she's ready to throw that ball, it's leaving, whether there's somebody in the way or not. And that was the case. You know, that that was the scenario that we saw last night. If if any of the girls were ready to, to release that basketball, no matter if there was a Mississippi State person directly in front of them, they're going to try to force it. And unfortunately, more times than not, it was turnovers. You know, you look at the box score uh, for this game, and I'm trying to pull it up. It was one – 
that uh, that didn't didn't shine a lot of good light on our uh, on our efficiency. Let's just say that uh, we had uh, a pretty healthy amount of turnovers. Here's the deal: Mississippi State had nine nine turnovers. So you're like, well, you know that's that's somewhat average. And I think it is. I mean, I think in major college basketball, teams on the other side are forcing turnovers more so than you're just turning it over. But we maybe didn't have such a good night. We had 23 turnovers led by Jordan Horston and Ray Burrell with six apiece. Uh, you just need more than that from some of your leaders. And I think Ray Burrell with with uh, with Renai Davis on the side court, I, I don't know why it was so hard for me to – uh, re- remember her name, but with her on the side court, Ray Burrell's kind of got to step up. I-, I don't know who you look to beyond her, honestly. I don't know if it's uh, if it's Lou Brown. Is that the next leader on this team? Because it's really not any of the young girls. You know, Harris has been out there, but she doesn't play a ton. Just had nine minutes on the on the contest. But I think Ray Burrell, by minutes and by a lot of other things, is probably your next in line. So Ray's got to do a little better job of not turning the basketball over. I think she did a real good job of, of attacking the basket, but you got to know when to when to guard the basketball and when to when to when to let it up. So, I think uh you, you know, that's that's a big key point for me. I, I thought Tennessee did a lot of nice things. I mean, if you look at it outscoring the number 8 team in the country in the first 10 minutes, uh, usually that's when they're as fresh, they're as they're as aggressive, there's there is anything as they're going to be all night. And Tennessee had the upper hand. You know, I thought if you look at it, points in the paint, they matched each other 28-all. Points off turnovers, Mississippi State had 21, we had three. That's the difference. I mean, you look at a game where they beat us by 17, they outscored us off turnovers by 18. There's your difference. There's your match. Second chance points, Mississippi State had 15, we had 12. Fast break points, we had six, they had six. They got a little bit more uh, off their bench, but uh, I think some of our bench became starters last night based on Renai Davis's injury. So, or her sickness. I apologize, battling the flu. So, I, I think you, you look at it and, and you gotta you gotta be happy uh, with some things out of this game. And and, and I'm a I'm a building kind of guy. You know, I don't think we made a coaching change. And I'll say this every time uh, that that we this season that we want to battle and, and, and kind of blame Kelly for some of this. We didn't make a coaching change because everything was hunky-dory. We didn't make a coaching change because there was a lot of development going on. We didn't make a coaching change because there was a, a culture of winning big basketball games. We made a change because all that stuff was in the red. It was bad. We didn't develop players. We didn't. Uh, we didn't battle. We didn't play good defense. We didn't you know, learn from our mistakes. And the thing is, is in season, you're not going to be able to do that. I think you can create a little bit of a culture of toughness. I think you can create a little bit of culture of, of this is what happens in these scenarios. But it's different when, when you're in practice and you know, you you know, after about the third day of playing against the same girl, you know how she reacts. Well, every night when you see South Carolina, when you see, when you see Mississippi State, when you see UConn, things change. These girls are different than who you're practicing against. And so the fact that that I, I'm not going to say that, you know, we're, we're you know, that, that at every corner Kelly Harper's making the best decision. I think there's times where she's learning as well, being on this big stage, being at her alma mater, knowing what you need to do and playing this schedule. But at the same rate, I think, 
I think they're they're grinding in there, and I think they're going to do just fine. As as you see her coaching all the way through the game, you see her pulling girls to the side, having a conversation, telling them what's good, what's bad. And, and I think when you when you look at that, uh, you you need to you need to kind of shelf those comments uh, for just a little bit and give her some time to work. But you know, I like what I saw uh, out of out of Ray Burrell. I thought she responded. You know, I thought she was a scorer last night, but she's just got to work on not turning the basketball over. Jordan Horston, uh, she's got to engage more. Uh, she she likes to run down there and sling it, and sling it wherever it may go. And she's got to work on that. I think you know that's a that's a key point on this turnover deal. You know, she had six turnovers, and you were like, four of them probably were unforced turnovers. Uh, four of them were probably just throwing them where you knew somebody probably going to pick that off. And they did. So, I think Horston's just got to get smarter on the court. I mean, she's just got to play better basketball and do what – she's athletically everything you need. Same for Massengale. Massengale hits some good shots from time to time, but she'll go away and you won't hear from her in a while. Uh, and then and then Koosh Kittawa, I thought she played really well last night. She was only three, uh, three of eight from the floor, but I thought she took good shots sometimes and they just wouldn't go in. It's almost like they had a lid on that thing, but I thought she did well with rebounds, and I thought she did uh, she did good with the minutes that was given to her. She 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 picked up a bigger load based on Renaya Davis's exit too. Just a lot of rotation changes based on Renaya not being able to go. So uh, I think you look at it, and it's a it's another one of those etched you know etch this on the watermark chart. You know where's this basketball team at after after Connecticut? Where were they at after South Carolina? And what? Did they do well last night against Mississippi State? I think all those things are going to stack up. And, and you know, we've talked about it over the last few weeks, and it doesn't it doesn't stop. Tennessee has, a, has another tough go of it from here on out. They've got just a handful of games, looks like six games to go on their schedule. LSU, A&M, Arkansas, Vandy, Ole Miss, and Auburn. I think all winnable games at this point, and I think we just got to do that. I think you look at it. 17 and 6 on the season, 7 and 3 in conference play on a two-game skid in conference, but you're 11 and 2 at home, uh, 6 and 4 on the road. And you look at this final stretch, and you've got LSU in Baton Rouge, A&M in Knoxville, Arkansas in Fayetteville, and then two final uh, Vandy and Ole Miss at home, and then you'll go on the Plains to finish the season at Auburn. So, you know, I think. If you look at it, three out of the last six are at home. You need to at least, you know, try to try to get the best of that. I think you, you need to win them all, but I think five and one's kind of the floor. I, I think you need to go five and one uh, to really prove that that this is a better team. This is a better season. I mean, if you look at if you look at you've got six losses at the end of the season, and and, and three of them are to Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Connecticut. You know, I think I think you look at that uh, and you you're. Uh, you understand there was progress. Night to night, do you look at it and say this is the same old basketball team? I think so because there's moments when we turn it over on back-to-back-to-back possessions where I have that same comment. But, but, I, uh, you know, I like, uh, I like the direction that this basketball team's going. I think she coaches on the side court well more than Holly did. I think she does things a lot more intentional uh, than Coach Holly did. And so I, I'm going to give this lady time. I'm going to give Kelly Harper time to do her thing. 
and to get her uh, get her ladies and that culture built back of toughness, aggressiveness, and using length that that we just don't know how to do right now. But that's kind of where I sit on that one. I'm going to take a break, listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Coach Fulmer and his belief that Tennessee football is back and what they will do now that they are such. We'll talk about that on the flip. We'll kind of dissect that a little bit, like what is the v- validating points to that statement, and uh, and we'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com, Rocky Top Sports. We'll be right back. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948. Or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rural King has joined Hope Products, a brand dedicated to saving children from childhood cancer and other life-threatening diseases. When you buy Hope Products coffee pods at Rural King, 50% of all profits go directly to support St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. An 80-count box of breakfast blend or Hope House Blends coffee pods are regularly $24.99, but for a limited time are now just $12.98. Support St. Jude's by picking up some 80-count boxes of Hope Products coffee pods for $12.98. At Rule King, America's Farm and Home Store. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321 6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K N I G H T Shift Printing at gmail.com check them out on facebook and instagram you don't want to miss it it's well worth it did you know most employers consider soft skills as important as the skills it takes to do a job soft skills include things like attitude communication teamwork motivation and time management you can take your career to the next level by taking free soft skill classes at the blunt county public library Find complete class schedule and registration information at www.bluntchamber.com. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss the show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got golf? Iguanifarmsgolf.com. 970-7132. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. 
They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. You heard it. You heard it here. Uh, Philip, former athletic director at Tennessee, says uh, Vols are back, uh, and and you heard the rest of it. Uh, how how they may may choose to show that to everyone. Uh, and I like what I played Philip Former's his 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 spot from Yahoo Sports, and, and I'm I'm hoping that Marshall Hughes isn't gonna gonna take a lot of beef over this. You know, I like that that our athletic director feels this confident. You know, it'd be different if this was if this was Dave Hart saying this. I'm like, oh, that's good. He thinks we're back. That's that's cute. If it was Jimmy Cheek saying this, I'm like, I don't know that he knows what back means unless he backs into a parking place. If if this is if this is even John Curry, and I think John Curry, you know, I'll be that he he kind of went off the reservation a little bit. I think he understood success more than than people gave him credit for. I, I think he understood his time here before that we were successful and that, that he understood what it looked like. I don't think he necessarily had a clear picture as to how to get there, but I think he knew what it looked like. So in that, when Philip Fulmer says things like this, Tennessee needs to listen because he's doing one of two things. He's either putting a little pressure on Jeremy Pruitt saying, listen, they know I know. So you better you better not make a liar out of me, or or he truly sees it, sees the pieces in place, and believe that next season's going to be a big deal. Because I ain't gonna lie, he he just ratcheted up the expectation a lot, and I think Jeremy Pruitt's okay with that based on some comments he made uh, yesterday during some comments uh, during his recruiting celebration tour that they do every year. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt said it was exciting to finish, uh, you know, winning our last six games, seven out of our last eight. He, he said, but, but the expectation needs to be higher than eight and five. Uh, we, we need to, we've been kicked around for a long time. We need to start doing some of the kicking. That was his comment. And I love that, but I, I don't know. I, I have fell victim to high expectations. Uh, I think anybody has, and if you have, and you got you got a story about it, give me a call eight six five nine eight three four three one zero. But you you know, I like that expectations are getting up, and I like that that there's some confidence brewing around the around the university, around the 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 football program, because 
I mean, you got Jay Graham, you got T. Martin on the same staff. Jim Chaney's your offensive coordinator. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Brian Niedermeyer, they can recruit out of their shoes. I mean, it's just if we want them, we can more times than not get them. Uh, Zach Evans is still considering Tennessee, which uh, you know, a source close to the situation said that's 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 a June decision at, at probably nearly the earliest. He can say whatever he wants. But until he actually shows up on campus somewhere, it's probably not valid uh, because he can't. He has to enroll somewhere. He can't sign another letter. He can't do anything like that. So he's just going to have to enroll in summer classes. So I, I think that decision may, is made in June. But I, I guess I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I guess gauge my own feelings on Fulmer's comments because I'm like, this guy knows what good is. This should make me happy. And I think it does to the better part of of most times. It's just my pessimism and 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 Mark Nagy, I'm gonna give you a shout out here. Your your book, Decade of Dysfunction, I mean, it'll wear on man. It'll wear on somebody. You're reading about, you know, how, what could have been, what should have been, the the Tyler Bay Bray, Derrick Rogers, Cordero Patterson, Justin Hunter times should have been really great. And offensively really was. But we didn't have a really good defense. So I guess it's just, you know, the wait-and-see approach is kind of where I'm going to sit with it. I love that Fulmer feels this good. I love that he said it in public. You know, it's one thing to tell a recruit, Tennessee's on the rise. You know, Tennessee's, you know, you need to you need to be a part of this. You know, this is a thing. It's another thing to say it in front of those who are paying the bills, in front of those that sits in those seats every Saturday and watch the product that's put out there, good or bad, rain or shine. So I, I, you know, I think, I think he's doing a little bit of athletic director job. I think he's selling the program. I think he's putting it out there, and he's looking at Pruitt and saying, "Don't make me a liar. Don't make me wrong." And I think Pruitt likes that challenge. I think Pruitt was tired of losing, and I think culturally, uh, you know, we had to hit a little bit more bottom uh, to to figure this out. But I think five games in. Uh, there was a change in in uh, in uh, in thought process. There was a change in culture, and as we climbed out of what was a pretty rough start, and that's putting it extremely lightly, uh, I, I think I think Pruitt got us back on track. I think I think he he did what he needed to do uh, to get the right people in place. You know, it didn't always look the cleanest. It didn't always do what we need to do. But but I mean, pulling Jared Garantano off the bench, I think that's an unheralded. Uh, situation because it had been real easy to just bench him and never use him again. Ride it out with Brian Maurer, and he was probably going to – I mean, he was going to do some some athletic things because that was his way, but he was either going to get more concussions and we never see him again, or he was going to turn it over enough that we get beat by other teams we shouldn't have got beat by. The nucleus that was the quarterback condition that we had there late helped us win just as much as it frustrated people. And I truly believe that. I, I think I think Garantano's not a starter, uh, and I'll say that as much as anybody wants to hear it, and maybe a little more. But I think he's a pretty good player off the bench. I, I don't know how that works in football. I mean, I think it's been tried and not been successful. But I, I think he understood. He he saw the game better coming off the bench. I don't, I, and I don't. I can't explain it. I don't know why, but it just worked that way. So. The fact that that's the the case is is something, but I think you look at what Tennessee loses and what they add, and it's going to be interesting to see how this game 
uh, of of Tetris of of put together of puzzle pieces how this is going to work because I think at any rate you can you can plug some of these nice pieces in and they 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 don't work I mean they're they were playing against lesser competition in high school they were at their ceiling and we didn't know it uh, or or glass half full which is where I like to ride most of the time maybe they do maybe we hit on something maybe we have uh, an all-world talent maybe we have an all-american as a freshman maybe we have an all-sec as a freshman i think i think it's just as likely and, and again i it's like i say with alabama you continue to put a bunch of them in the in the bucket and you're you're more than likely going to pull one out every now and again so i think i think they're doing what they do they're recruiting at a high level. They're getting a lot of guys on campus, and we're going to see who sticks. You know, I think in today's college football, I don't expect this whole class to be here in four years. And and maybe that's something that shocks people in my in my 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 big orange glasses approach. But I don't. I mean, I I I think you look at Alabama every year; they've got people transferring out because they're not seeing playing time. And, and and I don't know what that says to health of program or whatever, but I think it's one of those deals. You want kids that believe they can play. You want them to not look at it and go, ah, he's got a he's got another four star. I'm pro- it's probably going to be a battle. I better not go there. You don't want those kids. And I know it's a fine line. You're like, well, you know, sometimes you get what you can get. But to me, I'd rather have a three star that pretty much feels like he's a five-star uh, than a five-star that, that doesn't like to get hit, that doesn't like to compete. And what I'm saying by that is especially, I mean, you look at you look at guys like Jawan Jennings is an asterisk because he was highly recruited and then panned out. But but you look at some of these guys, I mean, I mean, look at Hall of Famers in the NFL. I mean, you think they were five-star recruits? You think T.O. was a five-star recruit that went to Tennessee Tech? I think Jerry Rice was a five-star recruit that went to uh, Eastern. What was it, Eastern Mississippi? I mean, you think Brett Favre was a five-star recruit that went to Southern Miss? No, but they played hard. They felt good. They were a competitor, and they developed. And so I think all of it, all these pieces, point to us having a really good shot. You got to have it to to make it. And I think we've got some pieces in place. We've improved on depth. I think we're still reeling it on the trenches. I think we, we we have a really. I think my father-in-law put it really well last night. We have a front eleven. We have a starting eleven on both sides of the ball that that competes in the Southeastern Conference. The question mark will be what set, man number two looks like. What man number three looks like. And I think that that the only way you get better from that is transfer portal. Uh, you know, grad transfers and recruiting that's the only way to do it and I think I think by Fulmer's comments you feel good about that trajectory you feel good about the path and you hope that Jeremy Pruitt uh, can get it done but uh, I, I love it I love it the Vols are backs what Fulmer says and he says we will take bites out of everybody's hind end just shortly so we'll see how it goes spring practice will start here in about a month and we'll uh, we'll see if those pieces uh, will look good uh, going into spring practice. One key point about spring practice, um, 
no Wanya Morris, no Kavarius Crouch. Both will have off-season surgery. Um, both will miss the entire spring. But, again, should be ready for the fall. And, again, I'm all about taking those those precautions because both those guys proved their grit, their starter level. Uh, so if they need to get something cleaned up that so it won't hit them in the season, uh, by all means do that. So I, I, uh, I'm happy about those two guys uh, getting something taken care of but just won't be able to see them in the spring. So uh, that that's that. Uh, let's take another break, listen to our fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Tennessee and Kentucky basketball. They tip off tomorrow, 1 o'clock, and it's in Knoxville. Usually a good dogfight every time these two match up, and we'll see if a young Vols team can match up with the pesky five-star group that is Kentucky basketball. We'll talk about it on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com, Rocky Top Sports. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. El Jimador Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill. Located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Don't miss Pizza Hut Spirit Day. Help raise funds for Maine support. That's M-A-N-E support. The second Monday of every month at Pizza Hut, 804 Foothills Mall Drive, Maryville, 375 Hannum Street, Alcoa, and 2418 Airport Highway in Alcoa. From 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. all day. All you need to do is order a pizza from Pizza Hut on the second Monday of every month and main support receives 20% of all sales. 
This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Join us for the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series, Maryville versus Alcoa. Game number two of the series is Friday, February the 14th at Alcoa High School. Girls' action starts at 6 p.m. and the boys take the court immediately after the girls' game. Wayne Kaiser will be courtside to bring you play-by-play of each exciting minute of the action. You can hear the games on WKVL 100.9 FM and WGAP. 105.9 FM, AM 1400, and on the live stream at WKVL.com. It's the Blunt Broadcasting Basketball Rivalry Series, Maryville versus Alcoa, on Friday, February 14th, starting at 6 p.m., right here on WKVL and WGAP. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct, 321-6845, or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to The Grind on Friday edition as we talk Tennessee and Kentucky basketball. Tennessee and the Cats will take each other on at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Game will be on CBS, and of course, your your local affiliates of the Vol Network will also carry the game. The last time the Vols were out, they, they overcame or erased a 15-point deficit to knock off SEC foe and perennial traditional foe, Alabama, 69-68. to The victory clinched their first 15-point comeback since March of 2017, also against the Tide. Tennessee was led by 20 points, 20-point outputs by Jordan Bowden and John Fulkerson. Uh, Bowden finished the night with 20 points, 16 in the second half, and knocking down 10 of 11 attempts from the free throw line and also had six steals. Fulkerson closed out the night with 22 points, converting eight of nine field goal attempts, his eight makes from from the field, also tied a career high. Junior Eve Pons was huge for the Vols on the glass as he recorded 14 rebounds, eight being offensive rebounds, and also had three blocks, which which increases that consecutive game list for Eve's blocks to 22 straight games. 
His best moment of the night came in the game's waning moments, no pun intended, with the Vols up by two. Alabama guard Jalen Forbes drove in the lane, tried to tie the game, and Eve Pons rejected the shot as it attempted to seal the UT victory. He was fouled, went down, knocked down two free throws, and sealed it as it went to a four-point advantage. Uh, Tennessee's currently riding a four-game home win streak against Kentucky into Saturday and would love to keep Coach Barnes, Coach Rick Barnes, undefeated against Kentucky at home during his tenure in Knoxville. A huge advantage would be uh, if, you know, we could have Josiah James back, if we could have some things pieced together. But I think all eyes are on Saturday. All eyes are on, on a young Tennessee team taking on a young Kentucky team. And I think you got to coin it that way in the fact that we've played some elder teams, some teams that have been together for a few years and, and struggled there. I hope that uh, that gets us a little grit going into Saturday. You look at the series, and Kentucky well owns the all-time series dating back to 1910. But a much closer series is the one in Knoxville. The Wildcats still lead that series, but it's 55-52 to when the game's played in Knoxville. Tennessee's beaten Kentucky and Knoxville each of the last four seasons and have never lost to the Wildcats, like we said, under Coach Rick Barnes. Overall, the Vols have won four of their last six matchups against the Cats. A win for the Tennessee would give the Vols five consecutive home wins over the Vols and give Tennessee a 16-16 and record against the Cats inside Thompson Bowling Arena. Again, most of those those 52-55 record that we talked about earlier were played in other gymnasiums, Stokely Athletic Center, uh, Memorial Gym, the whole deal. So a lot of uh, a lot of things on the line this weekend. Kind of storyline, kind of place you where you were a year ago when this matchup came around this year or this week one year ago. Tennessee was ranked number one in the country, both major polls. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a little leery. Uh, to kind of think of that because it looks like so far ago uh, that that we were like that. But since then, we've lost uh, several NBA draft picks and and four or five guys that are on NBA rosters as we speak. But here's a cool stat that should make Tennessee fans kind of love uh, the opportunity or the, uh, the, uh, the, the chances for Tennessee. An unranked Tennessee team has defeated a top 15, AP top 15 ranked Kentucky Wildcat team. 16 times in the past, most recently in 2017. Currently, the Vols are unranked, and the Cats are number 15. Tennessee ranks fourth nationally in average home attendance, getting nearly 18,800 fans in in each game, and this game is a sellout, so it will be upwards of 23,000. Junior forward John Fulkerson scored a career-high 22 points on 8 of 9 scoring Tuesday night. In the victory over Alabama, uh, he's shooting a career-best 65% this season. That's pretty good uh, for a guy that that has to play a lot of different or wear a lot of different hats. So Fulkerson needs to build on uh, what he done. He got a haircut this week, so maybe be a little quicker as he comes into Thompson Bowling Arena. Hopefully none of the swag has left uh, with with the locks that he, that he lost this week. Vols freshman Josiah Jordan-James has missed Tennessee's last two games with a growing injury. Uh, he had started every game prior to last Saturday, and his current status is day-to-day. We need Josiah back, and we need him aggressive uh, as he comes. So I think I think you got to look at that, see what you can get out of him. If he can give you five good minutes, 
then play him five good minutes. But if he's not, if he's going to be tentative, if he's not going to want to push the issue, I don't know that this weekend's one uh, to try try the uh, try it out. Uh, Tennessee has some good neutral site victories over Seton Hall teams. Uh, victory over Seton Hall teams coached by uh, Bill Rafferty in '76 and '78, and uh, and you know this is a, another uh, opportunity uh, to get get one of those big uh, wins over a big time coach. Uh, layup lines: Tennessee leads the SEC in scoring defense at 61 and a half points per game, 20th uh, nationally. That's what we're allowing, and ranked third in field goal percentage defense, uh, 38.9, as uh, that's 27th nationally. So not terrible on the defensive side. Eve Ponds has blocked at least one shot in every game this season, and he leads the SEC and is ranked 20th nationally with 2.6 blocks per game not not bad at his height and not bad at what we ask him to play a lot of times he's not the the guy right around the rim but his 2.9 blocks per game during SEC play also leads the league us uh, freshmen Josiah Jordan James and Santiago Vascovi combined to shoot 41 percent from three-point range during SEC play that's a good stat to keep in mind if they can keep that up and Tennessee has finished each of its last two home games with uh, with with issues on offensive rebounds, so hopefully they can knock it down the first chance and not have to to go back after it. But for the first time in program history, Tennessee on February first started a lineup that included four different nationalities: American, French, Serbian, and Uruguayan. Uh, so that's a that's a newness for Tennessee. So going worldwide to put a basketball team on the floor. So there's a little tale of the tape on the Tennessee side of things. About those Kentucky Wildcats, Kentucky sits near the top of the SEC as we hit the midpoint of league play. The Wildcats, 17-5, 7-2 in conference, bounce back from a tough road loss at Auburn to knock off Mississippi State 80-72 this past Tuesday. Head coach John Calipari, in his 11th season leading the Wildcats, his 11th different starting five, brought in another top recruiting class headlined by guard Tyrese Maxey. Calipari was faced with replacing last year's production as he departed Tyler Hero and P.J. Washington to the NBA draft. The Wildcats have received solid production from a junior, Nick Richards. Richards is currently U.K.'s leading scorer at 14.6 points per game. Uh, He has especially uh, big on the glass during league play where he ranks third in conference at 9.2 rebounds per game. So getting him out of there is a big option. Sophomore guard Ashton Hagens has also been big in leading the Wildcats offense. His seven assists per game lead the SEC and rank eighth in the country. He's also big on the defensive end as he has 2.1 steals per game. Another scoring threat for the Cats, Emmanuel Quickly. He, like Richards, is averaging 14.6 points per game. However, he's up that average to 17 in league play, which ranks fifth in the conference. Um, you look at, at this team, and it's another one of those young-driven Kentucky basketball teams. Talent all over the floor, McDonald's All-Americans, five stars everywhere. Uh, but the thing is, is this is this is a team that's had, had their opportunity to sputter and have taken advantage of it. They lose to Evansville. They, they've lost, uh, you know, they've lost to, to, to teams that, that Tennessee's beaten. You know, you look at it, uh, they, they, they have, have struggled. South Carolina got them. Just a few weeks ago, Tennessee beats that South Carolina team. 
So I think Tennessee, uh, they're going to have to play a good, good, good 40 minutes. They're going to have to put it on the floor and really push Kentucky uh, to do what they need to do. But at the same rate, I think Tennessee uh, looks to, you, you know, do what they can and get what they can get against the Cats this Saturday. Facing an eight-point deficit one year ago with three minutes to go, number eight Tennessee rallied in the final moments to beat Kentucky 82-78 in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. Uh, for the second straight year, the Vols advanced in the tournament championship game and defeated Kentucky both seasons. UT struggled to get any offense going the majority of the second half, but they did rally in the face of adversity. So I hope I hope we've seen a lot of that film. I hope we've seen that that battle, and I hope Tennessee uh, can get a lot of that back. But uh, you talk about some memorable moments against Kentucky for Tennessee. Anybody remember ten uh, Kevin Punter's twenty-seven points, the most scored by a Vol against Kentucky in the last ten years, as Tennessee defeated the Wildcats eighty-four to seventy-seven in twenty sixteen. Uh, the senior point guard made three three-pointers and was 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Chris Lofton scored 31 against the Cats uh, as he as the Cats, they beat Kentucky 75 to 67 at Rupp in February of 2006. Uh, beating the Wildcats was three times as nice during the 78 through 79 season. Uh, UT Notch program win number 900 in Lexington as Tennessee defeated the Cats 66 to 55 defeated the Cats 101 to 84 and then won the 79 SEC tournament 75 to 69 could not get the best of the Vols that year and Bernard King walked walked off the court at Memorial Gym after a loss to Kentucky and a fan of Kentucky lit flipped a lit cigarette into the Tennessee Legends hair outraged King said I will never lose again to Kentucky, and he made that happen. He finished his career after that one loss with five straight victories against Kentucky. So, again, the, the moments are large. When Tennessee and Kentucky hit the hardwood, the, the rivalry is, is a lot. It's, it's not necessarily your neighborly rivalry. Our state's touch, and that's as close as we ever want to get. And I'll put it out there. In, Tennessee, in football, for me, emotionally, it's Florida. And a lot of people's like, really? It's not Alabama? I, I can respect Alabama. I think they've done things at a really high level for a really long time. You go behind Steve Spurrier's years, and I don't know there's a ton of success at Florida. So, I, you know, I'm they're the clampets of the Southeastern Conference. That's, that's my opinion. Um, but in basketball, it doesn't get any bigger than John Calipari, Kentucky, Adolph Rupp, you know, Pat Riley, uh, all, the, all the names you know. Uh, from Kentucky so I, I think you look at it between Calipari and Barnes there's 1400 wins uh, Saturday's game features the two winningest coaches uh, in the SEC uh, in total division one career wins John Calipari is the league's active leader with 725 but Rick Barnes is a close second with 705 to his credit uh, among all active division one head coaches Calipari and Barnes rank sixth and seventh respectively in total head coaching wins and Barnes and Calipari are friends while working at Pitt's basketball camp in the late 70s the star player at that camp 
current Arizona head coach Sean Miller. So a lot of uh, a lot of pedigree has come out of this two these two's friendship, these two uh, facing off on the court. And if you look at it, it's uh, it's one that you uh, uh, you, you know you you like to see. And honestly, Calipari is one of the Tennessee's most met. Uh, opposing coaches as his time at Memphis and now Kentucky has made him that. We've seen him 26 or 27 times. It'll be 28 tonight or tomorrow. Uh, Tennessee 11 and 16. We've caught him a lot, but he's caught us a little bit more. So I hope Saturday's on our end of the thing. I hope we move the gamut just a little bit, and I hope Tennessee can do what they need to do uh, with those cats. But uh, it, it's going to be a battle. I, I think Tennessee – uh, found some things in how to hold on to stuff, how to hold on to a lead, how to score when you need to score. And I think all those things are emotional. And I think there are things that you're like, well, you should come in to, to – if you're a really good high school player, you should have that. And I think they do. But, I mean, you look at it. And I think this is an unsung part of the the struggles that have been a few of the games this year. We just said in, in the in the first game of February, we started four different nationalities. American, Serbian, French, and, uh, and, and Uruguayan. English is only the, the first language for one of that. When you yell across the court something, there's a little bit of, of, uh, of you know, determining what, what that was supposed to be on those other three. So I think Tennessee's had to learn how to communicate a little bit better. I think Tennessee's had to learn how to battle with each other a little bit better, how to play with each other. You know, all these things have been hodgepodge together because they didn't play together a year ago. A lot of them didn't even play American basketball a year ago. So the fact that we're able to jump in there and get what we need to get and and have any level of success is is pretty dynamic. I think it's pretty a pretty good sell on the coaching ability that's going on at Tennessee, but uh, I, I think you got to be happy with what you're going into this game with. Again, you want Josiah Jordan James back, and you hope that that's the case. And we'll we'll see exactly what that looks like uh, closer we get to game time. It's day to day at this point, but but I think you got to you got to like where you're at in Knoxville. We've had the upper hand uh, as of late, especially under Coach Barnes. I mean, undefeated against the Cats, but we've just got it. We've got to keep it going. Those four wins don't make it five. Tomorrow makes it five. So I think you got to look at it. You got to you got to play a really good brand of basketball. You can't lose the turnover battle. I think this team, if you turn it over, and especially if they can get out in transition, you're going to get beat. You may get beat bad. So I think Tennessee's got to ratchet that part up. I think they've got to do what they've been doing on the defensive side: really force bad shots, really get out and extend defenses, and make them work for what they get. And then, uh, and then when they when they want to get aggressive, just get aggressive right there with them, because I think that's you know I think Calipari is going to take a lot of uh, of the the pressure off his players by being so animated on the side court, and that's kind of been his mo. They're they're more worried about him than what their players are doing, and uh, and ultimately uh, that allows some some level of physicality that that I think should be caught. But Tennessee will battle Kentucky tomorrow. It's a big time matchup, one p.m. Tip time game will be on CBS and of course the Vol Network affiliates. But check that game out, and again we'll recap the action there on uh, on Monday morning. But kind of want to talk a little bit about what's going on on the the weekend cap. You know, as we're building our our social media brand, our our website brands. You know, we want to talk more about 
you know, what's going into the weekend. What's that weekend grind look like? And and some things going on this weekend that you'll want to check. Of course, today on Major League Baseball Network, there's a there's an interview with A.J. Hinch going to drop. I, I think that's worth watching. I think he, uh, he really opens up and, and is pretty transparent what it sounds like uh, to the fact that that he, uh, you know, they asked him if, if the World Series was tainted, and he said, I think that's a fair question. I would like to think that, that over the, the course of the next few years, the talent that's on that team can prove that it wasn't, but he said it's a fair question. So I think A.J. Hinch, uh, he was a well-respected guy before this came out, and that is all, of course, more than dissolved. But you just uh, watch this interview and let's see, uh, let's see what his take on this is and see what the backlash is coming off of it. Also, the XFL kicks off this weekend. It is a, uh, it is a, a really quick turnaround based on the Super Bowl being this past Sunday. But it will, uh, of course, kick off this Saturday. I'm trying to find the, uh, the 2020 schedule. But it looks to be uh, on major stations, which I'm kind of fond of. You know, week one's going to look like this. Uh, ABC will have the, looks like the first game at 2 p.m., Seattle Dragons and the D.C. Defenders on ABC. At 5 o'clock on Fox, the L.A. Wildcats will take on the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, Sunday at 2 p.m., the Tampa Bay Vipers will take on the New York Guardians. And then Jeff McIntyre on Sunday, February the 9th at 5 p.m., the St. Louis Battlehawks will take on the Dallas Renegades. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how this thing shapes out, and and if there's, you know, what the quality of football looks like. That's what people keep asking me. Like, what do I think the quality of football is going to be like? And I, I I keep telling them, I don't know. I tell them a Senior Bowl every time up and down the court or up, up and down the field. I think it's going to be Senior Bowl level for the first few weeks because uh, it's game time and it's. They've not probably practiced with each other a whole, whole bunch. So um, I'm going to say that there's going to be some miscues. I'm going to say that there's going to be some wide open plays that that the ball doesn't get thrown well, that the, the guy drops it. But at the same level, my, my expectation or my hope is that it's better than the CFL. If we can get to that level, I think it's been a success. It's not going to be NFL. If it was going to be NFL, they would be in the NFL. If it was going to be – uh, practice squad level teams, they would be on a practice squad. I would like to think, and and maybe there's a there's a scenario here where this 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 group uh, exposes that there's success uh, that is not being tapped into. Like there's talent that that has been left go, let go that should be getting another opportunity. We'll hope and and see if that's the case. But four games this weekend again: Saturday two and five p.m. and Sunday two and five p.m. ABC. Fox and ESPN are the stations that will carry week number one's games. But we're right up here against the timeline. Don't miss top of the hour, Jason Swain and the Swain event. But, of course, if you like what you've heard, check us out on thegrindonsports.com. Go to our Facebook page, The Grind On Sports, Twitter at The Grind On Sports, and follow us and get more interaction and more content uh, as your day goes along. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, Take care. Hold on. I hit the – every time, every time hit the wrong button. But uh, nonetheless, uh, hitting out today, but if you're on your way to work or on your way home, uh, take care, be safe, and, yes, grind on.